Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In the dark days of 1987, the country was six years into the AIDS epidemic and a crisis that was largely being ignored by both government officials and health organizations until the sudden emergence of an activist group, ACT UP, in Greenwich Village, largely made up of HIV-positive participants who refused to die without a fight. Emboldened by their power of rebellion, they took on the challenges that public officials had ignored, raising awareness of the disease through a series of dramatic protests. We're joined today by the director of this remarkable new documentary, How to Survive a Plague, filmmaker David France. David, welcome to Film School. It's great to be here. Thanks, Mike. Thank you so much for being here. Um, it's truly, I mean, it's a great documentary, but, um, and it also benefits from some remarkable footage. Uh, that was taken at the time of the start of ACT UP and so many other things that were going on in that in that uh, in in fighting against this disease. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you became aware of this uh, this footage, and what was the sort of impetus for you uh, doing the documentary "How to Survive a Plague." Well, you know, Mike, I started um, covering AIDS as a print journalist uh, way back in the early days. In fact, before it was even called AIDS. Um, and so I was on the ground in 87, which is about six years into the epidemic, when AIDS activism um, started taking this new form uh, in the form of ACT UP. Um, so I, I was at all of the meetings, I was covering many of the demonstrations, and I knew that there were um, teams of camera operators working on the ground, mm-hmm. um, making sure that the, that the efforts that they were engaged in were being covered. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at least by themselves at a time when the mainstream media was really ignoring what was going on. So I felt when, you know, um, when I began to, to look back at those years um, to see how to tell a story about what that was like with the benefit of hindsight, I thought of those cameras and I returned to them initially to some of the um, archives initially just to remind myself of what it looked and felt like. And, uh, and it soon became uh, apparent to me that that was the story, that was the way to tell the story. What was the process you went about in getting a hold of the footage? Did you put an ad in a paper or Craigslist? What, what was right. it? How did, that, how did that actually work? Well, I knew a number of the people who I, I remembered who they were. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, they had gotten together and... Uh, brought their footage from that period to the New York Public Library, where there's a sizable archive of activism video, and they had put it on deposit there. And so I began by looking through that footage, and then um, identifying through the footage other people who were carrying cameras who hadn't yet um, made their tapes available. And I began a kind of detective's work, a forensic uh, undertaking that took me about three years to um, uh, discern who those people were, uh, to uh, to learn whether or not they had lived through the epidemic, uh, and if they had, well, trying to find them and uh, you know imploring them to allow me to look at the footage that they had gathered and stored away from them. Just remarkable. And then I would look through that footage and begin it all over again. So it was just a cycle of um, you know uh, just searching for more cameras. 
not an insubstantial amount of footage. I, as I read somewhere, was it 700 hours worth of, of, of footage? We brought in 700 hours of uh, very specific footage out of a much larger uh, available quantity. I, I, I was able to identify thousands of hours of, of unarchived, um, undigitized, unpreserved footage. But the 700 hours that we brought in was specifically about this uh, remarkable um, uh, um, intimate story of a, of a number of people over a 10-year period, a number of the key activists uh, it, who were taking on the, the pharmaceutical industry. And I, fo- I followed them um, in this uh, intimate way over over a decade. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and, and that um, was made available by the, by, this, um, by the 700 hours of footage which we brought into the edit rooms. We're speaking with a journalist and filmmaker, director of the uh, new documentary, How to Survive a Plague, David France, and uh, it opens today at the New Art Theater here in Los Angeles, as well as uh, in San Francisco, Seattle, and New York. Uh, and there'll be, David, there'll be, uh, you're, you're in New York now, but there will be um, opportunity, people will be at the New Art to talk, uh, is that right, to do a Q&A? There, there will be, throughout the showings today and through the weekend, um, there will be people um, who are in the film um, to address some of that history, and there will be people also uh, from a number of organizations, including um, the, the Student Global AIDS Campaign, uh, in case that uh, the people who see this story uh, get inspired to do something. So we wanted to make sure that, um, that, that if people left the theater inspired, as we think they will be by the story, mm-hmm. that they know exactly what's available to them for places for them to click in and, and help in the current struggle. Very good. Now, uh, the film focuses predominantly, ex- almost exclusively, on the birth and the growth and the growing pains that accompany the group ACT UP. Uh, ACT, up ACT UP did not really come into full-blown existence until probably, well, 1987, uh, uh, about six years after the first known uh, case of uh, autoimmune deficiency disease uh, first uh, became um, known. That was in 1981. Um, right. a- after f- many yeah. years of just, uh, 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 obviously, uh, uh, I mean, we all know a disease that predominantly affected the gay, uh, gay community. Um, and in that period of time, that five or six years when things just were just seemed to be unraveling, really very little... President Reagan at the time never never mentioned the disease publicly. Um, never even discussed it. Never right? even discussed it. Uh, obviously affecting the lives of thousands and then hundreds of thousands and then millions of people. Um, what was what was the sense of? Uh, um, I mean, the, obviously frustration, but what was the sense in the in the community that of uh, these people being affected by it? Uh, on what to do, how to go about doing something. It, it, well, go ahead, give us a little insight into just that part of it. Well, by 1987, um, it was just um, infuriating to the community that, that there was no um, uh, pill available, right. there was no treatment, there was no um, even expression of compassion from the federal government. There was no knowledge that anything was being researched even, um, the budgets uh, being earmarked for AIDS research at the NIH were small, yeah. and um, and here we we knew that tens of thousands of people were dying already. Tens of thousands of people were dead, um, and and by way of comparison, um, 
uh, everybody um, uh, at that moment in 1987 remembered what went on not a decade earlier when Legionnaire's disease was first announced, mm-hmm. which uh, affected um, you know fewer than a dozen uh, old uh, war veterans, um, and there, and the national health services all swung into full um, kind of urgent disaster mode to try and um, and bring and contain whatever that um, problem turned out to be at the time, and none of that was being brought to bear in this crisis. And it was clear um, that the, the reason why, which is there was an utterly marginalized community, the gay community at the time, and um, it had no political clout and no friends in Washington, and um, and and certainly no a sense of, of um, responsibility on the part of the pharmaceutical industry. So there was there was real rage on the ground, and that's what first um, inspired the formation of ACT UP. Uh, in New York, um, and and the the movement very quickly developed chapters uh, all over the country and and later all over the world. Um, but there's a very active one in Los Angeles, and mm-hmm. so um, yeah. from from every vantage point, uh, people with AIDS and their advocates were taking up the cause themselves. And even worse, uh, from my recollection, is that uh, people of the political class were uh, dismissive and contemptuous of people who had been afflicted, right. that it was obvious that the, not only was there no active political will to move forward on finding some way to uh, cure or find some um, treatments for this, it was actually, from the political class, there was a lot of indications that be damned. And and right, and exactly. and, uh, and, it, and that was expressed very openly on the floor of the Senate. Yeah. We see it in the opening scene yeah. of How to Survive a Plague. Yeah. Um, people like Senator Jesse Helms speaking with impunity about his disgust for the gay community yeah, and his um, and his belief that the whatever this disease was was brought uh, you know was brought about by uh, by the gay community and the gay community deserved what was coming. Yeah. It's it's amazing and as as I often say with great documentaries, and I consider this a great documentary, How to Survive a Plague. This is a micro-macro story. Our window into the world of this pandemic that eventually sweeps much much of the the world um, is told from the point of view not only of just the the, the very, very beginning of ACT UP. And there's, is there, is the footage actually from the very first meeting? Is that my, I'm trying to remember if the... It's not the very first meeting, but it's certainly a very early meeting. Right, right. And the the film opens up with activism already in full swing. Right, right. And, um, and then, and you see from, from the, the beginning of this campaign that there really was only anger. Yeah. And as the, as the film unfolds, uh, you begin to see a kind of stratification of, of strategies and, um, and uh, uh, an ability of the organization to refine its demands um, and to determine ultimately that you cannot just stand outside you know, the halls of uh, Big Pharma and, and cry out for drugs, um, that they discovered that, that there was just a, a lack of leadership in the entire effort. And they created that leadership. They created the national leadership that corralled the uh, the people who were working in the pharmaceutical industry, uh, brought them online with the people who were working at the NIH and the FDA, 
and, um, and, and, and we begin to see them as they kind of storm the halls of these institutions. Uh, and take and take charge and take a seat at the table. It, it's this. It's a really a remarkable political uh, organization that ACT UP became. It was, Channeling it was. this, it, it, it's. I don't want to say it's unique in the sense of uh, of uh, an organization that very quickly, in terms of our sort of political glacial political time frames that we're used to uh, dealing with, in a matter of just right. a few years, was able to not only channel that anger into political activism, raising the profile, raising uh, issues uh, about uh, who was being affected and how and all the rest of it, right. the quilt, uh, right. the, the very very moving uh, quilt event uh, in, in Washington, D.C. that I think really galvanized so much more of the American public to come to an understanding about what was mm-hmm. going on. I think that was terrific. But not only that, but became very proactive in its search for medical treatments and 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 moving forward with and and setting up trials and regiments and uh, criteria for trials that really helped facilitate to, even though it seemed very very slow in coming to to a point where they could get the treatment really a remarkable political organization very very well it done. really is it was you know it's, it's the last great social movement of our time yeah it's um you know, it, it is as tra- transformative and, um, and, and revolutionary as feminism was before it or the civil rights movement before that. And, um, and the, the legacy that was left behind is, is a, you know, another transformation of the way healthcare is done yeah. and the creation of a model for patient advocacy that's now uh, commonplace. You yeah. know, every um, d- disease uh, community... Um, now has a seat at the table, and and the voices of people diagnosed with diseases are considered uh, essential in any kind of plan for how to proceed in in research and treatment. It really is amazing, and it's it's somewhat it's gotten somewhat buried, and sort of it's becoming lost. It was becoming lost history uh, for exactly. for many people until I would say until this documentary came along. There was um, why we were here last year was dealt mostly with uh, the effect of AIDS on the West Coast uh, gay community. Uh, this one, right, exactly. this this one, this uh, how to survive a plague. Uh, the documentary uh, is. Is that and uh, I would say more of a arc, uh, the umbrella of what happened during this uh, epidemic, pandemic, however you want to. Well, it, it covers um, it covers two things, both the, as as you say, uh, the impact of the virus on the community, plus the impact of the community on the virus. I mean, those those yeah. years were a period of tremendous political organizing yeah. and tremendous accomplishment. I mean, really um, a triumph. Yeah. Uh, of of the community of the activists um, who were really the essential ingredient to bringing about the drugs in '96 that made it possible to survive yeah. this plague, and uh, and in that case, in that in that regard, it's you know it's really a kind of a thrilling story of of how uh, activism uh, rose up and conquered this this plague which had been un- seemingly unconquerable yeah. by. A science up until that point. I remember there was uh, active discussion uh, that this may be something that we will never be able to cure or to be deal deal yeah. with because yeah. uh, it, it's such a pernicious uh, disease. It it seems to be a it seemed to be a very smart virus. Seemed to be adaptable. Seemed to move very wily. Uh, yeah, very wily. Very very smart. And uh, 
it's odd to use these terms and ter- use uh, to talk about viruses, but it fit. It seemed to be well, very... We, at the time, it was also the dawn of kind of sophisticated virology. DNA. Uh, medicine had never had a true and lasting impact against a virus before the mm. drugs came out mm. uh, for HIV. There was one previous pill approved that had some efficacy against a viral infection, but this was a... Um, this was a much more complicated virus, a retrovirus, uh, meaning it behaved in different ways. And, and I, you're right, and most scientists, Nobel Prize winners, um, thought it's possible we can't do this at all. Yeah. Amazing. So it was oh. an enormous breakthrough in, in 96, and, and it really it moved science forward. And, um, yeah. uh, and that's had impact on, on all sorts of other um, uh, issues of cancer, particularly, mm-hmm. has benefited from these advances. We're, we're speaking with David France. The, the The film is How to Survive a Plague. It opens today here in Los Angeles at the New Art, also opening in San Francisco and New York and Seattle uh, as well. And um, yeah, so, and we'll be moving out around the country, I'm sure, as as time moves forward. It will be. Uh, that's tra- fantastic. Uh, and and I, you know, I'd be remiss if we didn't, in the last couple minutes that we have, to talk about. It. I mentioned the micro macro aspect of this film, and you know, some of the people, you know, that we watched the beginning are not there at the end, unfortunately. But many of them uh, are, um, including Peter. Stately, uh, but the the remarkable stories of these different individuals: Mark Harrington, Larry Kramer, it's, David Barr. It's just it goes on. There's a very it's and I I want to acknowledge. I'm sorry, David. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I want to acknowledge Iris Long. Sort of a early on, sort of recognized the need to move forward. Seemed to be sort of a an un, to me an unknown uh, participant in the struggle. Right. Exactly. She's she's one of those really unusual. Uh, characters that that history celebrates. Um, somebody who comes from a, a totally unexpected place. Yeah. In her case, she was a retired chemist um, uh, living with her husband in Queens. She knew nothing about the gay community or even about... Uh, she, she knew nobody suffering from AIDS. But what she knew was how drugs are tested, mm-hmm. how drugs are released. She knew that there was a log jam, and she wanted to, she wanted to tell somebody about what she, what she thought was going wrong. And she found her way to an early Act Up meeting and became uh, really the, the pivotal person for the, this development of treatment, sophisticated treatment activism. She brought a lot of these young people, and they were all very young, as you see in the film. She brought them under her wing and, uh, and, and trained a generation of activists who went on to create, you know, what is basically the, you know, the, 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 um, the prototype for citizen scientists, this idea that, um, that anybody can, uh, given the right motivation, weigh into something as, as thicket, as, um, as dense as, you know, pharmacology and understand it and, and contribute to it in an essential way. Yeah, I, I think, it, 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 I think, without giving over too much credit here, really may have shaved many, lo- many years of of struggle to find a, a course for treatment by virtue That's of her early... true. And save millions of lives. And millions of lives. Terrific. I, I yeah. really wish we could go on and on. Unfortunately, I've just run out of time, David France. Yeah. But uh, the film, How to Survive a Plague, it opens today at the New Art Theater in Los Angeles. Great theater. Great place to see really, really good films. That's uh, exciting. I would like to add that we have a oh, number yes. of sponsors who have made tickets available, a limited number of tickets available, uh, through our website, uh, survivaplague.com, 
uh, for young people to make sure that they get a chance to see this and for anybody who's in the AIDS, in the AIDS uh, trenches today. Well, um, it, and, and uh, thank you. Thank you so much uh, and uh, for being here on Film School. And I look forward thank to you for your, having me. your writing as well as uh, future, future projects from you, David. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Mike. It's my pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.